0: Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Dolphins. It is power to the pod today, and today's episode is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. Power to the pod today, which means it is your show. You are in control. Obviously, the week one loss is behind us. We are, to borrow the saying from one Bill Belichick, on to Buffalo. We're on to Buffalo. Now, I'd like to think that Power to the Bod questions today aren't going to feature a ton of questions regarding week one and the loss that we experienced. But I know better than that. We, as customary on this show, will start with iTunes reviews questions, we will then transition into Twitter questions, which we have a ton of. The good news for the Twitter questions is we didn't have a lot of iTunes questions. As a matter of fact, we only have one from Ushi22. Love the podcast. Thank you. Just wondering how long you think Chan Gailey will be offensive coordinator. This is going to be a popular question today, isn't it? Because... (laughs) Let's be honest, offense looked pretty bad week one. Ryan Fitzpatrick threw the three picks. Obviously, one of those, Preston Williams, fell down at the top of the route. Not a lot you could have done there. But even the second pick that he threw was egregious. They're running droppers out of pressure, pre-snap pressure looks, and you literally... Guy dropped right to where you were throwing the ball. Adrian Phillips. We didn't see it. It's an egregious mistake. Takes at least three points off the board for the Dolphins. Could have been 7-6 going in halftime. The last one almost bothered me more, and I understand you're going to make a play and, and think that maybe you can get defensive pass interference, get the ball placed on the one. I get it. I get it but you're in field goal range, you're down 10. You're on the 15. Don't force that throw unless it's you're down 7 with 20 seconds left and it's fourth down. Miami could have been perfectly fine kicking the field goal to cut it to 21-14, and then you go try kick the onside kick. You were going to have to try kick an onside kick anyway. These are the kind of things, like with Fitz, that we're gonna start getting into tool watch, and I know we're gonna start getting into tool watch, and it's fine. You know, if Miami comes out and poops their pants over the next ten days, for lack of better phrasing, the Dolphins start the season zero and three because we, you know, it's Tuesday. We we have two games in the next ten days, so I hope you're ready. We've got Buffalo at home, and then we go to Jacksonville on Thursday night football. If the Dolphins start zero and three. And the offense struggles throughout the entirety of that three-game stretch. I think you see two a week four. This has nothing to do with the question of Chan Gailey, but I just know the the entirety of the offense is going to be a common theme and question that we have throughout the course of today's show. But you're at home, you have a West Coast team coming to the East Coast to play a 1 o'clock kickoff in South Florida Heat, in Seattle, not super afraid of their pass rushers. They've got Jamal Adams we're going to have to account for. They've got Bobby Wagner on defense. But like they don't have overwhelming threats at defensive end. They don't have overwhelming threats at defensive tackle. They're very power-oriented. If the Dolphins start 0-3, oh, I think Tua starts week 4 because you have 10 days of install to get them ready for the game plan. If the Dolphins steal wins, if they're floating around 500, I think you'll see fits. Uh, But I think that dangerous tipping point, as I predicted when we did the final schedule prediction, uh, weeks four, five, and six, got Seattle, San Francisco on the road, and then Denver on the road. That's a very slippery slope. You know, we end up two and four coming out of that six-game stretch. Makes a lot of sense to move to Tua. Just saying. Now, as far as the specific question of of how long Chang'e is going to be here, I don't think Miami hired Brian Flores with the intention of this being a long-term hire, and I get why that's going to raise some eyebrows for people, and they're going to say "Well, why with a young quarterback would you hire somebody who is not going to be here, and then you're going to have to change your offense again, and so on and so forth. Well, in a perfect world, the Dolphins are probably trying to position themselves to hire from within if they like the coaching and teaching style of the positional coaches. But Brian Flores has desperately wanted like a veteran coach on the offensive side of the ball. When he took this job, it was supposed to be Jim Caldwell. And Jim Caldwell took a leave of absence never was on the sideline or in the stands for a game with the Dolphins. Then we promoted Carl Dorrell to assistant head coach, and like a week later, he got hired by University of Colorado. So like Chan is feels like he provides Brian with the steady hand and experience that Brian seems to have wanted on the offensive side of the ball because he's a delegator, right? He's not super hands-on. He's not trying to set every game plan all the way around. He will obviously come over the top as necessary on fronts, but like he wants his message to be delivered to the players through his subordinates, his coaches. Chan has seen a lot. Chan can help develop a young quarterback. Chan Gailey worked with John Elway. So... I think Chan is part of the stabilization process of the culture of the team, and I think that is a more important value for him than necessarily crushing it from a schematics perspective. Now, that's going to set forth some growing pains, and, and we saw, I remember I talked about the upside of the RPO heavy offense and how much common sense it makes for Tua, and I was asked during the summer, okay, like, that sounds great, but what's the downside? The downside is what we saw on Sunday. Dolphins had one play of 20 yards or more. As we transition to the Twitter questions, because there were a lot of them. I want to make sure I honor all those questions that got in today. I want to make sure everybody knows about our friends over at NFL Game Pass. This season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. You can catch every snap from every game with full game replays and see all of the plays in just 45 minutes thanks to condensed games. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle all in one place. And NFL Game Pass is the only place you can replay every game all season long, You'll also learn from the league's best with over 40 NFL Game Pass film session episodes. Go inside the game from a player's perspective as they break down the game's concepts and techniques. You can learn from the best like Deshaun Watson, Stephon Gilmore, Devontae Adams, and many more. NFL Game Pass also provides access to the entire NFL Films archive. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. I knew we were going to get Tua Valoa questions, and I also knew we were going to get run defense questions. Uh, There were a slew of questions about how the Dolphins are going to stop Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills in Week 2 from doing many of the same things that Cam Newton did in Week 1. Well, you know, Cam 14 or 15 carries for 75 yards. Josh Allen in Week 1 against the Jets logged a career-high 14 rush attempts for 57 yards. He did have two fumbles, though. And it becomes exponentially more problematic when you look at Josh Allen's career splits versus the Dolphins versus literally everybody else. Uh, He's killed the Dolphins. And it's partially my fault because I didn't like Josh in the pre-draft process throughout my works for the Draft Network. So Michael Miller, I know you discussed the rationale for letting Raekwon go to Las Vegas in a previous episode but how do the Dolphins adjust their run defense following yesterday's performance against a mediocre rushing team? Um, mediocre rushing team. Based on what would be my question, because this team from guard center guard probably has one of the best, if not the best interior offensive line in all of football. And if you're basing their rushing totals off of Tom Brady, that's, not a relevant stat to pull when you add Cam Newton, one of the greatest rushing quarterbacks of all time, who's been off for a year so that he could get fully healthy. Calling New England a mediocre rushing team based off of last year's number holds no value to me whatsoever. And by the way, the Patriots last year were missing David Andrews, their center, due to blood clots in his lungs. So I think If you look at last year's stats and say, wow, yeah, the the Patriots kind of stunk rushing the football until the end of the season. Dolphins couldn't stop them. How are they going to stop anybody? That's not a real accurate depiction of who this New England Patriots team is in the here and now. Brian Flores himself says every year, this is a new year. This is not 2019. This is 2020. And, you know, you got to take your launch point from here and now. And I think that was part of the reason why so many Dolphins fans are frustrated, as I said yesterday. You heard, you saw the Dolphins beat New England in Foxborough last year. They lost Tom Brady. We said that, but the dynasty's dead. We talked about how the Dolphins got so much better, and then they come out and lose the football game. But it's a new year. There's a lot of new pieces. A lot of new pieces. And generally speaking... I think the Dolphins need better discipline to answer your question about how uh, to improve the run defense and to preemptively get in front of some of these questions I know are coming in the queue about Josh Allen specifically. And Christian Wilkins needs to do exactly what he did this past week. I think Wilkins played a tremendous football game. I think guys like Devon Godshall and Emmanuel Ogba and Shaq Lawson on the line of scrimmage, they got to take it personally. Buffalo has uh, not as good of an offensive line. They still have a sturdy offensive line, but their offensive line is not as good as New England's. And first-round pick Isaiah Wynn was finally healthy for the Patriots at left tackle, and he looked it. But I think you need better eye discipline. I like that the Dolphins made the adjustment to get up double A-gap. And and get clogged inside and own the numbers count in the box, but then it became and you saw this in the second half. If you're going to go heavy because the Patriots are coming out and they're running Michael and you who's a 350 pound offensive guard, and he's playing tight end for your team for the Patriots, and he takes like 20 something snaps because they're going six offensive linemen with an extra 350 pound guy, you got to stay in base defense. You got to stay heavy then your linebackers need to be disciplined. One of my primary takeaways from this game, yes, Jerome Baker had 16 tackles, and he had a nice sack. The, The Patriots goofed the protection because they pulled the guard that he was walked over top of on the sack, and he had the forced fumble that kept the Dolphins in the game. But between the penalties and the coverage reps, Jerome did not have a good game. He is a critical player for Miami to have to play better. Jerome has to have a much better, well-rounded, all-phases football game than what he had against New England. Because you knew he was fast. You knew he could cover a ton of ground. You knew he's a spark plug. He's going to fly all over the place. But to hit on Edelman for a free 15 yards when Miami's trying to scratch and claw and get a stop and stay in the game was dumb. I don't so much mind the personal foul down inside the five. It's whatever it's going to cost you six inches whatever. You weren't going to stop him at that point anyway, not with the way they were running the ball. But he got shook by Ryan Izzo on that 25-yard completion on the over route. And Ryan Izzo is one of the least intimidating receiving tight ends in the NFL. And it was a good good route adjustment by Izzo to sit down. But Jerome, you're a great athlete. You can't overrun it like that. So, I think eye discipline and better presence on the edge because the Dolphins, once they started walking guys up in the A-gaps, they got New England to at least start checking out, but then they had additional wrinkles and they said, okay, we're going to have success inside and then they're going to bring their guys in the A-gap. So now we're going to run zone zone read and we're going to give outside on outside sweep instead of more of an inside tight angle. We're going to run Jet, we're going to touch past Julian Edelman, we're going to run QB or Buck Power with the quarterback and run him outside. All these different things that like Miami's plugging a hole in the levee and another one pops up somewhere else because the Patriots had so many different wrinkles to the game. And that's my big thing as far as anybody who has criticisms for how the Dolphins played run defense, that's fine. But don't just say it stunk and say, oh, well, you should have defended Cam Newton. What do you think they were trying? If you don't have a specific example of what you want to do, a scene done differently, I don't know how you can complain because the Dolphins are flying blind coming into the game. And they made adjustments. But every time the Dolphins made an adjustment, the Patriots had an extra wrinkle that they anticipated and moved ahead of. It's one of the downsides to having a defensive staff and a defensive philosophy that was coached up through and raised by Bill Belichick. You don't think Bill Belichick knows how Brian Flores is going to respond to this kind of look? How many meetings do you think these two guys sat in together talking about, trying to strategize how to stop other teams from doing X, Y, and Z? And without the Dolphins having any indicators of any any tendencies with the team, you're flying blind. So tip your cap to the Patriots, let's move on. Ah, Ryan, how do we stop Josh Allen from killing us with the unscripted runs? That's a good question, uh, because it's very different the ways that Josh Allen and Cam Newton run. I don't think the Bills are going to run. They'll run some zone read type stuff and, and maybe QB draw. But a lot of Josh Allen's runs are scrambles versus the designed quarterback runs that New England broke out. Maybe Buffalo takes some notes off the tape and tries a couple things. But Josh Allen also lost two fumbles as a ball carrier against the Jets. So I don't know that they're going to try to put him in those situations as frequently. He'll probably be more of an off-script guy, scrambler, run around with a chick with his head cut off. So the value there is you're going to have to have, again, much like the outside run, once the, the Patriots started hitting some of the QB run stuff inside in between the tackles, you have to have a firm edge presence. You have to be able to push back and collapse and bully the offensive tackles and keep the pocket boxed in. And your wins are going to have to come from the interior, I think. So whether that's linebacker blitzes, whether that's defensive tackles like Christian Wilkins working against Cody Ford, who's in at right guard for them, but you got Darrell Williams at right tackle, and you got Deion Dawkins at left tackle. You've you got to bully those guys, and you got to keep outside leverage on those guys. And that's how you can negate some of the off-script stuff. RockAuto.com is a family business who's been providing auto parts customers with high-quality service online for the past 20 years. So whether you're looking for new taillights, motor oil, carpet, or engine control modules, or anything else, for your classic or daily driver, rockauto.com has everything you need in one easy-to-navigate catalog, and in just a few clicks, you can get everything you need delivered directly to your front door. Best of all, prices are the same for Rock Auto customers, whether you're a professional or do-it-yourselfer, so why would you go anywhere else and spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So visit rockauto.com for all of your auto parts needs, and make sure you write locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box. So they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all of the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. So I know a lot of the questions were centered around the offense and fits versus Tua, the run defense, and what the hell we're going to do with Josh Allen. So that's why I wanted to make sure I was on top of those three dynamics Fairly in-depth before we get into the rest of the questions on the queue. So, with that being said, question from Chris. I hate this question, but I also like this question. Hyp- hypothetical. If we get the first pick in the 2021 NFL draft, courtesy of the Houston Texans, and has played 10 games with statistically average production for a rookie quarterback, do we A, try to trade Tua, and draft Trevor Lawrence, or B, stick with Tua and sell the pick, or C, pick Tua and pick BPA non-quarterback? Obviously, this is very early in this process. Um, there's a lot that can change between now and next April, but I love this question from being a draft person. I don't know what Tua Tungavailoa could do that could sell me on the idea that he would be a better professional quarterback than Trevor Lawrence, and that is of no disrespect to Tua Tunga-Vailoa because he's the third highest graded quarterback grade I've given out. I've been doing draft coverage since 2013. Tua is the third highest grade I've given out at quarterback. But he's about to be the fourth because Trevor Lawrence absolutely will carry a higher grade. We've seen now 30 games, 31 games of Trevor Lawrence as a college football player. The phrase generational talent gets thrown around quite a lot. But this is legitimately one of those quarterbacks. Everything is so easy for him. And if you are presented with that opportunity to draft him, I think you draft him, but I don't think that means you have to make your decision right away. I know they they will probably want to maximize Tua's value if they chose to draft Trevor Lawrence because they had the number one overall pick. Courtesy of Houston, of course, not courtesy of the Dolphins. It's a hypothetical that we probably won't see. I don't anticipate that we'll get close to having the worst Record in football, unless like Deshaun Watson gets hurt. But you never know. But if if I were presented personally with the opportunity to draft Trevor Lawrence, I would draft Trevor Lawrence. Alejo thought rookies and veteran team players like Wilkins, Gaskins, Baker had much better impact than the free agents. Neither of the new guys was impressive. Kyle Van Noy was good, and Lawson had good reps. Need the All-22, but curious on your take here. Um, yeah, so I haven't had a chance to to deep dive the All-22 yet either. I know NFL Game Pass is making everybody sweat it out today uh, to get it. But I thought Kyle Van Noy was fine. I know Kyle Van Noy was probably also getting weaned back into action with the hand issue that he's working with. Um... But I thought he played a fine game. I think as he gets healthier, you'll see him step into more reps and uh, take a higher percentage of snaps. And whether that comes at the expense of Elan and Roberts or maybe Jerome Baker on passing downs if Jerome doesn't stabilize. Uh, But I think you're absolutely right in Christian Wilkins was the Dolphins' best player yesterday or on Sunday. I think that's, that's for sure a reasonable conclusion to walk away with unless you want to count Devontae Parker which let's hope we see him on Sunday against the Bills so if we don't see him Sunday against the Bills then Mike Kosecki going to have to step up Preston Williams is going to have to step up somebody's getting covered by Trey White so whoever's against your CB2 that's the person that you need to to throw the football to you need to attack that opposite boundary corner if you're playing the Bills Don't test Trey White too often. Andrew, sometimes talking Finns with other diehard Finns fans may cloud our judgment because we are slightly biased. My question for you is that is there any way we could have Dre Harris on the show? Dre Harris, seven-year NFL scout, worked with Kansas City Chiefs, now a teammate of mine over at the Draft Network, uh, to hear his thoughts on the direction of the team. I am sure Dre would be more than happy to carve some time out and talk about the Dolphins. Christer, in my opinion, the Dolphins team to struggle with coverage in the middle of the field. Who is to blame for this? Is it the linebacker struggling with man coverage? Um, yeah, I think you made a good observation regarding the Patriots game specifically. They they worked a lot in the middle of the field. And it it comes back to eye discipline and it comes back to uh, trusting your keys and and executing place the linebackers because New England had so much success early on with the QB run game and they were constantly pulling Joe Thune the left guard and because they were doing that those linebackers are getting run keys and they're inclined to step up towards the line of scrimmage because they're tired of Cam gashing them for six here eight here and the one big run I think he had was like 15 yards and that creates that void on the second level. So, those linebackers, I understand you got to run key first, but you also got to find the football. You got you to read your keys. You got to make sure that you're not getting exploited and somebody's not stepping behind you because Edelman, wide open in the middle of the field, tight end, wide open in the middle of the field. To be fair to Miami, they only had 155 passing yards. If they could have forced New England to be a little bit more one dimensional, I think probably Miami could have had some more success. But they were constantly chasing the game and chasing the next adjustment that the Patriots were making because the Patriots, with their familiar Brian Flores, seemed very well equipped to know what Brian would do if we give him this look. So let's zig instead of zag when we give him this look. Uh, the question was asked what do we want to talk about, Tim? Bad run defense and blanketed receivers creating no separation. Trash situational use of delayed handoffs and too many in general. Tim, brother, it's okay. We're going to be okay here. I promise. Uh, Yes, Sunday sucked. Sunday did suck to watch. Uh, Bad run defense we've addressed. Blanketed receivers. I've talked for, what, three months now that wide receiver is one of the biggest needs for the Dolphins. We need explosive players. Cheesy, what's on my mind is the offense. So, questionable play calling and personnel moves talk me off the 0 1 ledge. So, personnel moves. Um, I know we got a lot of Chandler Cox at fullback, I know we got a lot more Miles Gaskin than we anticipated in front of Jordan Howard. I know we didn't quite get as much Matt Breed as we ex- as expected. But here's what you have to understand about the Dolphins. First and foremost, can we all take a a big poor one out for everybody that freaked out that Durham Smythe was listed ahead of Mike Isecki on the depth chart? They started in 12 personnel, and I think Isecki had 35 more snaps or 33 more snaps in the game than what Durham Smythe did. It's a non-issue. But what you have to remember about this Dolphins team is they're going to try and aspire to be, quote-unquote, multiple. And what that means is on any given week, They have their identity as a football team, but the way they choose to attack opposing teams is going to evolve and shift based on what they perceive the weaknesses of their opponent to be. The Dolphins looked at this football game and said, we think we can run the ball, so we're going to do some 12 personnel at a reasonable clip. We're going to put a fullback out there we're to try and run the ball in between the tackles. And they did okay, but the problem was we shot ourselves foot in the foot twice in the first half, and then in the opening drive of the second half, the Patriots went down and put Miami in an 11-point hole. You can't stay committed to running the ball when you have three points. you got to try to move with a little bit of urgency, especially when you know the Patriots put together those long drives. The game situation got the Dolphins away from running the ball with the persistency that I think they wanted to. But they also chose to go with the hot hand. So as far as you know, the personnel moves with the fullback and all that, I think that was Miami's game plan. Hey, they don't have their nose tackle. Hey, they don't have Dante Hightower. Let's get after him up the middle. Let's try and run the ball. Some mixed results but we also shot ourselves in the foot when we passed with two first half interceptions and took points off the board and now we're chasing the game. And once Miami had to get into a pass mode, they needed to have backs that could execute pass catching responsibilities, but I would also presume backs that they trust in pass protection. And that's now the question that I have for Matt Breida, so I need to go back and watch the game and I need to say, "Okay, like where were Breida's reps? Did Breida get any 3rd and 7 reps?" Do they trust Matt Breed in pass pro? Because generally speaking, I thought the pass protection was very good for Ryan Fitzpatrick, and that is a big silver lining for this football game. Jack Ross, more questions about Breedah. We talked about some of the dynamics. Keith Stone wants me to grab some Keystone light while enjoying the podcast. Always smooth, even if the Dolphins aren't. Keith, I don't know. I agree with your perception of Keystone light but to each their own. A couple more questions here to bring us home today. Next one comes from Leighton Stauffer. Is the lack of run defense something that can be fixed over time, however that may be, or is this something that's going to be a long-standing issue for the team? Week one is never as bad as you think it is, and it's never as good as you think it is. So the Patriots, their run defense, I promise you, they're not going to rush 40 times a game and put up 200 rushing yards every single game. For the Dolphins, you're not going to get demoralized between the tackles every single game. I promise you. I don't foresee it being a problem because the Dolphins do have gap-controlled defensive linemen. And you look at where the Dolphins struggled. They couldn't get separation in the pass game, and they couldn't get stops against the run de- game when the Patriots had the ball. Patriots had the best interior offensive line in football. They had the best top-to-bottom cornerback room in football. You wish they had a little bit more success against the run because they did invest on the defensive line, and they did invest in the front seven the way that they did. But I think the coaching dynamics there played into New England's hand a little bit. Offensively, we knew wide receivers were going to be a problem. And you're going against the most effective main coverage cornerback room in football, It'll never be worse than what it was. And I guarantee when we play him later in the season, the Dolphins will have better timing because they'll have 12 games worth of a season of reps to get used to the timing of the throws and their patterns. And that ball will arrive on time with more frequency and that separation will be there. I guarantee you it will not be as much of a problem at the end of the season. Last question. Ken, when is Fitz at his best? How is this, the offense sophisticated? If it isn't, why not? Fitz knows what he's doing. Shouldn't we be seeing more example of him checking out of bad plays? This is a good question, and I think this also opens the door for maybe some reality check on where this team is as a team in general right now. This team will never know the playbook less than what it did week one. You can only check and change plays at the line of scrimmage if what you are installing was a part of your install, and I guarantee you can. It's a great question. No NFL offense has every single page of the playbook installed on day one. They don't. The Dolphins, bunch of new starters, bunch of new players, brand new playbook for everybody. You can't install that whole thing, especially this offseason. So Fitzpatrick might get up to the line, and he might know that there's something better, but he also doesn't have access to that if the Dolphins didn't cover it or they didn't finish their install. And it's completely, I guarantee you, every single team in the NFL, unless you're a team that brought back every starter and brought back both your coordinators and your head coach, and has had a ton of stability over the last two seasons, there are very few teams that are going to be able to tap into the entirety of their playbook, especially when a team is as young as the Dolphins are. So as the season gets older and older, and these players get more and more experience, I think that's a dynamic that you will also see continue to improve. But it's tough right now because they only had so much of this playbook mastered and ready for a week one game plan versus what they will be able to call back upon when you get to week 15 and you got to play a team and you can say, hey, remember what we did back in week two? We're going to do that, but we're going to put this twist on it. There's none of that recall opportunity now. Hope you guys enjoyed Power to the Pod. I enjoyed the questions. We're going to be okay. Okay? Okay. No victory Monday yesterday sucked, but we're going to get this thing right. And remember, Rome wasn't built in a day, and neither will the Miami Dolphins. This is a long-term process, so enjoy the ride. We expect to be competitive this year. I'm going to hold the team to a high standard, but I'm also going to keep it realistic. And, And when things don't go right, like they did on Sunday, I'm going to tell you why they didn't go right. And I hope that can make this an enjoyable season for all of us. Kyle Krabs signing off. Thanks as always for listening. I hope you keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins.